Last week, we began a new series entitled Open. And what I want to invite us to collectively consider over the course of this series is this question of how can we remain open as individuals and as a community of faith during this time? How can we continue forward in our faith and continue to be the church? And I'm not really thinking in terms of things like programming or methods of of connection or, or things along those lines. Those are important conversations, but they are mostly outside of the scope of this particular series. Instead, I'm wanting us to consider how we as individuals and families who make up the body of Christ at the vine can continue to mature in our faith and live out the call to love others well in this strange and frustrating season when nothing, church included, feels or looks normal. So with that said, this morning we're going to talk about Psalm 119. The 119th Psalm is actually the longest chapter in the Bible. And interestingly enough, it it just so happens to fall just two chapters after the shortest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119 is 176 verses long, and each verse mentions God's law, commands, precepts, or ways in some form. But that's not even the most impressive fact about this psalm. You see, in the original Hebrew, Psalm 119 is an acrostic poem. Now, typically in an acrostic poem, the first letter in each line spells out maybe a particular word or phrase, or each line starts with the next letter in the alphabet. And so in the alphabet example, in English, the first line would start with A, the second line would start with B, and so on and so forth. And while Psalm 119 is the alphabet style of acrostic, in this psalm, each letter gets not just one line, but eight lines. So the first eight verses of Psalm 119 begin with the Hebrew letter Aleph. The next eight verses begin with the letter Bet, and so on and so forth, all the way through the 22-letter alphabet. And that, just from a writing and creativity standpoint, is quite impressive. Unfortunately, though, much of the beauty and impact of Psalm 119 is simply lost in translation because we lose that acrostic nature of the writing when we read this psalm in our English English translations. But when you couple the fact that it's a meticulously formed and lengthy acrostic alongside the idea that each line also contains something about God's law or his word, what you end up with is this this powerfully written sentiment that covers the importance, the relevance, and the majesty of God's law 
from A to Z, or more accurately, from Aleph to Tav. The verses within the psalm extol the greatness of God's word and its impact on believers with phrases like these. I have chosen the way of truth, and I have set my heart on your laws. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. But the verse I want us to, con to consider and to focus on this morning is verse 18, which states this. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. The same general concept that is expressed in that verse is repeated in later verses, like this one. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. We see it even more extensively in these verses later in the psalm. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So starting with the example of verse 18, all of the subsequent verses that I read speak to this idea that comprehending, understanding, and then following God's law is a process that requires God's involvement. It's not something I can do on my own. I'm going to need some direction, some guidance some help. The truth is, there are aspects of life wherein we all need help. The problem is that we are often not very good at either recognizing our need for help or being willing to ask for it. Asking for help might make us feel inadequate. It might require too much vulnerability or we may think that it would expose us to, to real or perceived risk within a relationship or community. It might even make us feel like we are excessively inconveniencing other people by asking for help. But people have been in need of help for a long time. If you go back to the beginning of Genesis, God initially says that Everything about creation is good. Like he just creates something, he takes a look at it, and calls it good. But then he notices something about Adam. Something that isn't good. And so he says to himself, it is not good for man to be alone. The first thing about creation that is not good is man's isolation. I'm sure that some of you have felt 
the truth of that statement in new and perhaps even painful ways over the last few months. It is not good for man to be alone. So God then says, I will make a suitable helper for him. Initially, then, God sends the animals of the garden before Adam, and and Adam's looking over the animals, naming them, but, but amongst all the animals, no suitable helper was found. So God takes part of Adam, and he creates Eve, and she becomes Adam's helper. Now, when we read the word helper in that specific story, it can be easy to read some gender and cultural bias into what's happening there. But in the Hebrew, the word that's translated as helper carries with it the idea of doing something for someone that they cannot do for themselves. And as such, it's a word that is often tied to the concept of salvation. So figuratively, Eve is is sort of pictured as Abraham's salvation. And that imagery works with what we find in other places in Scripture where God is pictured and described as man's helper. When the Psalms proclaim that God is our help and shield, that our help comes from the Lord, or that our help is in the name of the Lord, the same word is applied to God there that God used way back in Genesis 2 to describe Eve. See, God, God has known that people have needed help for a long time. It became clear pretty early on. Now, in the garden, that help came in the form of Eve, but more broadly, throughout the story of Scripture, it is God who becomes the suitable helper for man. You can take that all the way up to Jesus' ministry, where, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, Jesus at one point tells his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, you're going to need some help. Scripture invites and even necessitates not only reading, but also input, direction, and instruction from God through His Spirit as we read and interact with it. We need help in in coming to fully internalize its depths, riches, and wonderful things, as the psalmist says. And part of the beauty of a faith community is that we can read and study and share with each other to learn from the perspectives, insights, and experiences of other people. But our help comes first and foremost from God and from His Spirit who resides within us. And so even in a season in which some elements of communal life and and study have been removed or are at least made more difficult. Our help in seeking revelation from Scripture is still very much active and present, so long as we open ourselves up to God's leading, prompting, and direction. Open my eyes. 
that I may see wonderful things in your law. Psalm 119 encourages us to recognize that coming to appreciate God's law is is not something that can be fully pursued on our own. The treasures, the nuances, the the depths of Scripture and, and of God's law and His Word are revealed and opened up to us when we submit ourselves to God and ask Him to not only join us in the process of of reading and studying Scripture, but to, to lead us in that. As one commentator has written, Scripture needs opening, but not one half so much as our eyes do. The veil is not on the book, but on our hearts. What perfect precepts, what precious promises, what priceless privileges are neglected by us because we wander among them like blind men among the beauties of nature. And they are to us as a landscape shrouded in darkness. Or to paraphrase another author, The psalmist doesn't ask God to make his law plainer. The psalmist asks God to open his eyes. Now, regardless of whether this pandemic and and this time of social distancing has made your life more or less busy and hectic, it's had an impact on all of us. We may find ourselves more easily distracted worried or confused. We might find it hard to concentrate on on certain tasks or difficult to maintain a certain routine or, or structure. And so may we remember that in this season of weirdness and social distancing, that our primary source of help as it relates to our time in God's Word and our ability to to grow and mature in Christ is never distant. May we be willing to open the pages of Scripture and willing to pray the prayer of the psalmist as we do. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. In just a minute, we're going to pray our prayer of confession together and then share in a time of reflection, meditation, and an opportunity to share in the communion meal. But before we do that, let's collectively ask of God this morning. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your law. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things. Open our eyes that we may see. Open our eyes. Let's pray. We confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear Hear us, us, forgive us, us, renew our resolve to build the the kingdom kingdom of Christ. Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, 
paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, us, forgive forgive us, us, renew renew our resolve to build the kingdom kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear Hear us, us, forgive forgive us, us, renew renew our resolve resolve to build the kingdom kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear Hear us, us, forgive forgive us, us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. Amen.